Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Off The Bench. Good afternoon and welcome to Off The Bench. There's been a leadership spill here at Off The Bench. Ben Cameron is out of the chair. Paul Hazelby's taken control today. Hope you're having a great afternoon. As I said, Paul Hazelby here and we will allow him to come on. Ben Cameron, how are you, mate? Sorry about the leadership spill, but I text our producer and apparently I won. You lost. Yeah, it went to a leadership ballot and like the survivor, my uh, my little torch was snuffed out and you are now the, uh, the captain of this ship. So good to have you with us. Paul. It's appropriate that you probably stand down now, mate, mm. and get out of the show altogether. We'll work on that for next week, maybe. Well, much like Malcolm Turnbull, what I will do is I will uh, actually now leave the show and just leave you completely in the lurch, just uh, left to fend for yourself with no concern about anybody other than myself. Is that fair? That is not fair. I don't know how to operate all those systems, so I'm going to apologise and say you're back in the chair. Welcome back, Ben Cameron. Good to be with you, Paul. We've got all of our favourite things to get through, all of the AFL team news. We'll have all all of the other sporting news, a Frio focus. We'll have the eagle eye. We'll have the dig. You love to have a dig at someone. Mm. And we'll uh, we'll also take a look at some of the other news, including a Fremantle Dockers best and fairest who reportedly is weighing up his future at the club. And Ross Lyon has been forced to defend uh, those allegations, if you will, speaking in the media yesterday. But uh, one thing we do here, Paul, is we start with a big call on this Friday afternoon. Where are you going for your big call? And I might start off by making the point, a little bit of self-praise for both of us, and they say self-praise is no praise, but uh, we both tipped Melbourne to come to the West and beat the West Coast Eagles. They did that. It was the first time they've beaten a top eight side this year. It was. It was terrific. I gave them the chance just because of their style of play, but we've got to back it up. This one's not an overly big call, but it's been a massive two weeks for the West Coast Fever. I think they're going to be crowned champions of the Super Netball competition on Sunday. Looking forward to it. What about the build-up? It's been great for our state, hasn't it, to have a team that's been dominant for most of the year now playing off in a grand final. Let's hope they can get it done. I believe they will. My big call is this, Paul. I think this is the worst weekend that you could ever possibly receive a concussion concern because say you get a head knock on the weekend, the physio will come and grab you. He'll take you down into the rooms. He'll do the 20-minute test. He'll hold up his three fingers and say, how many fingers am I holding up? He'll say, who's the Prime Minister of Australia? And you'll have absolutely no idea. And you'll be out for three weeks. You'll miss the whole finals. (laughs) That is very clever. How long did it take you to come up with that gag? Because that's a good gag. I've absolutely stolen it. I heard Glenn Djakovic roll it out. But, uh, Jacko. Yeah, Jacko, of, of all, all people. people. He must have stolen it. That's mm. why I'm happy to recycle it again. It's what happens with jokes, isn't it? You just mm. like and take what you see from other people and then use it yourself. But it is a, a good point, isn't it? Do they ask those sort of questions when you get a head knock? No, it's all computerised now. Mm. You've got to actually sit down and there's a lot of cards and um, you know, you've got to go back and they take in the time taken for you to answer a lot of the questions that you've pre-done ahead of time. Mm. And there, there are whispers of play flunking those initially so that when their reactions are decreased later in the season, they don't uh, miss football, if you will. Uh, A lot for us to get through, as we said here on Off the Bench. There's a big story surrounding a Collingwood player and uh, an Asada investigation. Now, Collingwood have confirmed that story earlier today. We'll bring you the latest very, very shortly. All of the AFL team news. The dig is to come. We'll look at the Dockers and the Eagles 
and much more here on Off the Bench right around the southwest for your Friday afternoon. Paul Hayes will be the Fremantle Dockers champion and myself, Ben Cameron. You're listening to Off the Bench. And I'm just sitting over here stewing. I'm worrying about my future. I'm worrying whether there's a place for me in this off-the-bench team after Paul Hazelby has shown his versatility and ability to host the show. Yeah, look, I wanted to have my own show where I was the host and then I was also the special commentator as well. So I'd throw to myself, Hazelby and Hazelby, we were going to call it, (laughs) but I don't think the public liked that. They liked the Cameron and Hazelby show. It's been going well now for four weeks. We're going to continue on with that tradition. Well, they haven't kicked us off just yet. But anyway, you've got all of the AFL team news which is what we normally do at this time, Hayes. Absolutely. Uh, all of the ins and outs. Big game tonight. Port Adelaide taking on the Bombers. In for the power. Billy Frampton makes his debut. 200-centimetre ruckman from South Fremantle. Been on the list for four years. Ben, what can you tell us about him? Well, I think they're a little unsure as to whether he's going to make it at the level. You you would have coached him, wouldn't he you? Was, so you can tell us there. more than me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see kid. a lot of him. Mm. Four years a long time, isn't it, to make your debut? So you do have question marks Big on man how do he's going take to go. Longer. Let's hope he does well. And I think it's time that they actually gave him that opportunity. Jake Need, the other one that comes into the squad with Sam Powell Pepper. Out goes Riley Bonner, Aidan Johnson, and Tom Rockcliffe goes out injured. Not a great first season at Port Adelaide for Tom Rockcliffe. For the Bombers, Jaden Laverde and Matthew Lewenberger come in. Out goes Tom Belch. Chambers and Matt Day. Big game for Geelong. They take on the Suns in Jed Buse. Out goes Jackson Thurlow. And for the first time in a long time, the Suns, Ben, make no change. <laughs> that is good news for Stewie Jew. Going into the final round, at least they've been able to keep the team the same. Only took him 21 rounds to get there. The Tigers, they take on the Western Bulldogs. Some big ins for the Tigers. David Asprey, Trent Cotchin, Dion Prestia. Out goes Liam Baker. Ryan Garthwaite and Sam Lloyd have been omitted. For the Bulldogs, it's Rourke Smith, Bailey Williams coming in. Tory. Dixon and Lin Jong both injured out of the team for the Western Bulldogs. The Dockers, well, they take on Collingwood. They're playing for pride, the Dockers. They need to improve. They brought some big names back in. Joel Hamling, Stephen Hill, Sam Switkowski and Darcy Tucker. Out, though, has been Bailey Banfield, Stefan Gyro, Ryan Nyhouse, Michael Walters. The only player there that goes out injured, the other guys omitted. Mm. Talk around Ryan Nyhouse that he's been omitted to go back and qualify for the Peel Thunder side, which I'm not fully comfortable with. No, I don't like that. If that is the case, and I'm, I'm taking um, your word for it, if it is true, I think that's pretty poor from the Dockers. He'd, he'd be far better off playing, uh, I would think, another game of AFL football. He's out of contract, so they may need more time to have a look at him, and for that reason, they might want him to play in the final series. No change for Collingwood. They're going very well. Big story out of Collingwood, which we'll get to soon. Carlton taking on the Crows. Kerridge comes in. Paddy Dow goes out after a pretty good first season for the Crows. Elliot Himmelberg and Alex Keith come in. Kyle Cheney and Tom Duday, great season from Duday. Liked what he did down back for the majority of the year, but he's off for surgery. The Sydney Swans taking on the Hawks, match of the round. Heath Grundy back in. Robbie Fox has gone out. Henderson, Mira and Jared Rufford return for the Hawks. James Frawley, Connor Glass, Mark Pittenett all go out for the Hawks. Brisbane Lions taking on the West Coast Eagles. Ballenden, Cox, Lions, Mays, McInerney all into the squad. Witherden goes out. For the Eagles, Matthew Allen, Oscar Allen, Jackson Nelson, Will Schofield, Jake Waterman into the squad at this stage. Lewis Jeddah, the omission there with an injury. 
Melbourne taking on the Giants. Thomas Bug, Jay Kennedy Harris, Cameron Peterson, and also Josh Wagner. Pedersen, sorry. The Giants, Dylan Buckley, Isaac Cumming, Josh Kelly returns, Sam Reid, Zach Williams also. Ryan Griffin, the unlucky player there. Another injury for Ryan Griffin. And the last game of the season, St Kilda taking on North Melbourne. Carlisle Clark, Dunstan, and Maverick Weller coming in for North Ahern. Luke Davis, Uniaki, Ben Mackay, Declan Mountford, Tom Murphy, and Will Walker. I got his name right this time around, Mountford, because I had a couple of texts last week. There's a few people down in the southwest mm. not happy. Yep. Well done, Paul. You just continue to prove that I am just a spare will here on Off the Bench WA. We'll come back with the big news out of the Collingwood Football Club next. You're listening to Off the Bench. Great to have your company and Paul Hazelby. I'm not surprised at all that you got a, a few text messages after you mispronounced Declan Mountford's name last week. Here's a good Albany boy. And the reason I know this is that one of my favourite pubs here in Western Australia is the Albany Hotel, which I'm reliably informed is the uh, the oldest pub in Western Australia. The old publican who hangs out behind the bar is Nev. He's a, a diehard Fremantle Dockers fan. They have the open fireplace inside the pub and I actually sat there and watched the Dockers dismantle Carlton and I'll be back down there in a few weeks to catch up with Nev and uh, enjoy a probably a counter meal and just sit there with the fire on and look at the uh, the hung photos of the McGovern boys Declan Mountford and Marley Williams has one as well for uh, Albany products currently running around in the AFL. Your favourite pub of all pubs around Australia is down there in Albany I like to hear that but what club does Declan Mountford come from down there in Albany? Well, I know that in most country towns, there's a railways, there's usually a, a Federals or a Rovers or something of the like. So I'm going to go for railways. I know there's North Albany as well, but I'll say railways. I, I don't actually know, but I can find that out for you, Paul. But in this media game, mm. never go with something you're not quite 100% sure of, Ben. No, well, I, I was aware he's from Albany. I don't have to know intimate details about where he's from, Paul. People okay, well, where's me. Sam Murray from? Because he's in a bit of strife, Ben. Well, he's, yeah, where he's from is uh, one thing, but what he's in is uh, is trouble. And the Collingwood Football Club has uh, confirmed this morning that they've been informed that defender Sam Murray is under investigation by the Australian Sports Anti-Doping Authority, ASADA. So they're in the process of uh, going through an investigation that will determine uh, whether there was uh, an illegal substance in his system. Now, this follows on from a a story written by Damien Barrett, and um, that is that he has supposedly returned a positive A sample on game day, uh, which has uh, illicit drugs in his system. Now, illicit drugs are not performance-enhancing drugs, but they are if they're found in your system on game day. And uh, supposedly, according to the story, allegedly... Uh, he's returned a positive A sample. So he missed a fixture recently due to uh, due to personal reasons, and uh, Damien Barrett is reporting that that was due to the fact that uh, they had received notification about this positive test. Yeah, this is very disappointing for Sam Murray to be in that space and obviously to be found with an illicit drug in your system on game day. Now, if it was during the week, he would have come under the three strikes policy of the AFL. But on game day, there's no coming back from that. It could be up to four years out of the game, which would be detrimental to his own career. He, it's a sad story because he battled hard to try and get some opportunity. He was at the Sydney Swans for a few years, just finding his way now at the Collingwood Football Club and on the eve of finals this is not good for Collingwood and remember just a few seasons ago they had two other young mm. players that missed time 
in football because of the same reason. This is where it gets really murky, and I think people will get confused. And and, and I still think people don't understand, uh, a lot of people anyway, a clear distinction between the illicit drug policy of the AFL, which is illicit drugs and you get three strikes, and performance-enhancing drugs. Now, this is where it becomes a little bit grey, that if you have... Uh, an illicit drug in your system on game day, that is counted as performance-enhancing drugs. It happened to Wendell Saylor, who had uh, cocaine in his system on game day and uh, and was therefore rubbed out for a couple of seasons while playing in the NRL. So uh, hopefully, oh, I, maybe I'm a little too soft, but I do have some degree of sympathy for Sam Murray that maybe he's made a bad decision and he's going to uh, suffer some pretty severe consequences in the wake of that bad decision. But that is one to follow uh, moving forward. Off the bench here in WA, a lot of the other sporting news is coming at you next. Uh, great to have you with us. We trust you're enjoying your Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. And to prevent us getting an influx of uh, correspondence, I've already received a couple of text messages, Paul Hazelby, but Declan Mountford, he's from the uh, the small town of Many Peaks, and he played for the North Albany Football Club. So the Mighty Kangaroos, which is uh, where Jeremy McGovern and Mitch McGovern come from as well. Yeah, good research, Ben. Happy for you. It's good to see that people <laughs> listen to our show and mm. they text in. Happy with that. They get in contact with us. Hey, uh, time to talk a little bit of cricket. Now, the English skipper Joe Root has signed on to play with the Sydney Thunder in this year's Big Bash League competition. So uh, he will come over with Josh Butler and play for the Sydney Thunder in between a, a series against Sri Lanka finishing and a series against the West Indies starting for England. So uh, Joe Root in the, uh, I'm not sure what you call it, the electric green of the Sydney Thunder. Well, I think you've gone with the wrong player there, mate. The big news is Josh Butler. He's mm, the number he's one star. player going around. He torched Australia recently in the One Day International Series. That's going to be fantastic just for the first half of the year. But look out for the Sydney Thunder this year to get off to a flyer. Yeah, Josh Butler, very, very good white ball cricketer, and he's improving in the uh, the red ball game as well. Now, not so uh, good news for the Australia Ray team overnight. They were woeful against India Ray, playing the first of their 50-over matches, batted first, made 151, and India Ray won by five wickets with 69 balls remaining. This was a shellacking for an Australian team that had 10 of the 11 players who had represented Australia at senior level, Paul. That is, that's a really disappointing performance. And JL has had a, a pretty rocky start to his time in charge of the team. We all love Justin Langer, but uh, we've got to call it how we see it. He's had a very ordinary start to his coaching campaign. I know he likes to do things a bit differently, get them fitter, and Usman Kouadra is one of those players that apparently has lost a lot of weight. But their performances in England and now this one have been very, very disappointing. He's got to get some confidence back into that lineup because there's a lot of future stars in that team that will be representing our Australian side in their next series against Pakistan. Disappointing that they didn't take their opportunities. The only one was Jai Richardson, the fast bowler. There are a couple of spots up for grabs in the mm. fast bowling space, and he's taking his opportunity. I expect him now, given he was the emergency over there um, in the South African series, to get an opportunity against Pakistan. Yeah, hopefully he does. Bowls uh, absolute wheels. Just running through the card for the Aussies. Darcy Short, out for 15 off 12 deliveries. Usman Kawaja, who opened the batting for him, made only 13 
Travis Head, who's the captain of the team, 28, uh, batting at first drop. Hanscom was out for two. Renshaw, seven. Carey, seven. Ashton Agar top scored with 34 from 40 deliveries. Michael Nisa, 16. Uh, Jai Richardson, who you mentioned, made one with the bat. And then Swepson, 15. Handy runs at the end. And Billy Stanlake was unbeaten on two as he was left stranded. And then uh, the pick of the bowlers for the Aussies, as you mentioned, Richardson, three for 27 from seven overs, uh, and then the other wicket-takers, Ashton Agar, one for 37 from his 10, so he bowled reasonably well, and uh, Darcy Short took uh, one for three off uh, 1.3 overs. Ashton Agar is an interesting one, but I think it's time for him to play red ball cricket consistently, not as the all-rounder, but as a batsman. He's a very good batsman. You think he's good enough to do that, given that he gives extra flexibility? If you had Mitch Marsh and also him in the lineup, it really does help with your bowlers. Maybe, but not all the time. I think maybe in a Sydney test, when you want the extra spinner, you can, you can maybe bat him at Eight, maybe at a stretch, seven. You don't reckon he's good enough to be in the top six as a batsman? No, I'd have to go away and look at his numbers, but they're they're definitely not good enough in first-class cricket to be a a genuine all-rounder for mine. Well, what about his first test over there on English soil? 98, I think he made. Yeah, but he hasn't really backed that up with a a lot of runs at at first-class level from that point onwards. I'll I'll come back to you with the numbers, but we do have to uh, take a little spell and get stuck into the Freo focus next. You're listening to Off The Bench. We hope you're enjoying your Friday afternoon around the southwest. Paul Hazelby, the Fremantle Dockers champion, and myself, Ben Cameron. And uh, we launch into the Frio Focus in just a moment, but I just want to finish off on Ashton Agar Hayes. I just had a chance to look at some of his numbers. And uh, in first-class cricket, a batting average, unfortunately, of only... 26 for Ashton Agar with 200s and nine half centuries. So not quite good enough to play as a genuine all-rounder at test level. That's too simplistic, Ben. I want you no, to go not. away and look no, over the last not. two years. Look over the last two years because at the first part of his career, he was down the bottom. He was just as a spinner. I think he's improved over time. But that's your homework for next week to go away and do some more. No, no, I've kept a very close eye on it and it, it wouldn't very much. It wouldn't push past 30. Okay. Hmm. You're one of those cricketers, aren't you, who says, G'day, Hayes, how are you? Get back to the club on a Saturday night. Oh, g'day, mate, having a, a cold one. How'd you go today, Hayes? Oh, 30-odd, 22. You scored 22, <laughs> and you'd round up to 30-odd, wouldn't you? I would, yeah. I always did that. Not that I ever got close to 30. I was no. more up around the 110. Mark. <laughs> no, you, I was a hopeless batsman. I used to open the batting and just, I had one shot, which was to glide it down to third man, and that was... All I really had to offer. Uh, let's get into our Freo Focus. This is some fascinating audio from Ross Lyons' press conference on Thursday afternoon speaking about the future of Bradley Hill. He was questioned after a journalist said a second person has suggested that Brad Hill may request a trade out of the Dockers at the end of this season. That would shock me. That would shock me. Yeah, I'm not here to deal in speculation. All I know is he's opening up a Pilates business girlfriend Sam's thrilled here, come home for family, he's playing with his brother, it's been super for us. I think it just sits in that category of, well, you know what it is, so that's fine. So that was Ross Lyon speaking yesterday. What do you make of these whispers, which I know you've been made aware of, that the whisper is going around, whether it's true or false, whether they're, where there's smoke, there's fire, or it's a case of just uh, one of those 
rumours that spreads and isn't true. It's that time of year. There's going to be a lot of speculation on players. But this has been around for three or four, four weeks now. We know he came from Hawthorne. Very successful there. I've also heard that it may be a chance to go back to the Western Bulldogs to play over there under Luke Beveridge, who he was working with as a coach when he was at Hawthorne. So it's interesting. Ross Lyon loves him, and he's one of the favourite players down there of Ross Lyon. So that would shock me, but in trade period, you just don't know. We've seen it before from Josh Carr, who came back to Fremantle, only lasted a few years, and then went straight back to the club of origin in Port Adelaide. So nothing would surprise me in this year's trade period, but that would be detrimental to Ross Lyon and his future at the Fremantle Dockers because they've attracted a very good player. He's been the best one that they've been able to attract mm. and for him not want not to want to stay going forward would be very bad news for the Fremantle Dockers. He's had a mixed year this year due to Average injury, year. but last year he won their best and fairest and he was outstanding. He was the only one in a number of games last year, games that I commentated, that had a crack. I remember one against Port Adelaide in which they were belted off the park. He was the only one who who had a real crack all afternoon. I didn't feel he was the best and fairest last year. I thought he was in the top three, but that goes to show how much the coaches and also Ross Lyon appreciate his run. His skills this year, Ben, been very ordinary. He needs to improve that part of his game. But as I said, if he did leave, that wouldn't be good for Ross Lyon and the Fremantle Dockers. Just some updated news in regards to a change. Stephen Hill, his brother, will not be playing in the game against Collingwood Another this weekend. Another soft tissue injury? Well, I think it's the same one that's probably mm. kept him out. Did didn't do too much at training yesterday. Ethan Hughes is into the 22. Ryan Nicehouse has been added to the emergency list. There you have it. Nicehouse in the middle of the emergency list. Uh, great job, Hayes. The dig is coming up next. Paul Hayes will be, is just loading up, coming in off the long run to have a crack in the dig next. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're ready to go in the dig dial before you dig the essential first step if you do want to have a dig. And Paul Hazelby, the gun is loaded and you're ready to fire. Who are you having a shot at today? I'm shooting the AFL again. Gil McLaughlin, Steve Hocking. It's been a nightmare year. year. PR disaster in all facets of the game. They're trying to improve it, but they're not doing a very good job. And this week, we are still debating around the priority picks. We still don't know what's going to happen with this situation with some of the lowly teams like Gold Coast, like Carlton, St Kilda are throwing their hat in the ring for a priority pick, as is the Brisbane Lions. It just should be all sorted out, Ben, prior to it becoming to this situation. Mm. They need to have these rules set in stone so that you know exactly when a team gets a priority pick. I just don't like the way they're doing it. They're still discussing it. They're talking about also that these clubs get first access to the state league players. Put it in stone so everybody knows the landscape. I'll say this to you, though, and I do agree with you. It's policy on the run by the AFL, but they did have it set in stone, and what happened was teams were accused of tanking to try and get a priority pick. So they made it more flexible, more qualitative rather than quantitative, and and that's where we end up where we are now, Hey, So I guess we can't have it both ways. So where do you think the priority pick should sit? Does it? Do you believe in priority picks? Should it sit after their first pick? So that would mean that, say, Carlton and also Gold Coast get two picks each in the first five. Should it be after the non-finalists have had their pick, so it goes in between the first round? Oh, or I should think, it be at the end? Or should they get first option on some of the best state league talent out there? I think it is best suited to be at the end of the first round of picks. And I think it should be a system such as if you don't make the finals for three consecutive years and and black and white like that. The reason being that I don't think anybody's going to tank to miss the eight, are they? 
No, so, but if just so getting... that they can get a, an extra pick at the end of the first round. But I do think that that pick should help you develop. You get the twentieth or the twenty third or whatever it is best player in the country for that year as you assess them and what you need. So oh, that's what I would go with. I like the idea of just having those clubs given first pick. First chance to get the mature age talent. So anybody over the age of 21, those clubs get a pick. That way it does have no ramifications for the rest of the draft. Just mm. take the best available, the, the players that have been missed by everybody else over the past three seasons. I think that's enough and it encourages more players to stay in the waffle system, the SANFL, the VFL, to get a second opportunity. And that's not a, a, a bad thing in the sense that it will make them better likely for the next season, but not dominant in 10 years if they can pick up an 18-year-old who may become an absolute superstar but having said that there are good players that you can go and get who have been overlooked in drafts we look at Ben Brown who might win the Coleman medal who's become a, a star forward for North Melbourne Matt Prittis was overlooked in three drafts went on to be a Brownlow medalist Tim Kelly will probably win Geelong's best and fairest according to all of the noises out of uh, the Geelong footy club after being overlooked in three drafts because apparently his kicking wasn't good enough even someone like a Sam Menegola who was at Hawthorne, then Fremantle, had two disrupted seasons with knee injuries at the Dockers, went back to the Waffle and then was picked up by Geelong and has become a a key cog in their team. What if we had a system where every club had to pick somebody over the age of 21 from the state league competitions? Call it over the age of 20. And that was a priority pick system where the lowest team obviously got the first chance at that available talent. I think that would be good for the competition. It would stop us drafting all these 18-year-olds, which is just a guess. You're just throwing it a dartboard. Just quickly as well, don't dig yourself into a whole lodge of free dial before you dig inquiry. Uh, we started with the leadership spill here on Off the Bench, but my dig's at the libs. Mm. Just get your you-know-what together and do your job. Stop the infighting, sort it out, and concentrate on running the country. We've got a second hour next here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're launching into the second hour here on Off the Bench. Thanks for your company on this Friday afternoon. Paul Hazelby, the 2000 NAB Rising Star winner, 03 All-Australian and uh, four-time Ross Glendinning medalist, keeping your company along with myself, Ben Cameron. Still to come, the Eagle Eye will take a look at the West Coast Eagles. They're headed uh, on the longest road trip in footy over to Brisbane to take on the Brisbane Lions to see if they can finish in the top two. We'll try and check in on some of the local footy in the southwest. We've got the weighted tipping game as well and plenty of other sport going on. The US Open, the qualifiers are rolling on. That starts uh, proper on uh, on Sunday, no, Monday night in uh, here in uh, Western Australia. So we're looking forward to all of that. Can Nick Kyrgios mount a charge and maybe go deep in the tournament? Hayes, I want to talk to you about Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in their match play match, $9 million in Vegas in November. Are you a fan of it? I don't mind it. They're trying something different. We've seen a lot of sports try something different. They're going to draw attention, aren't they, because of their rivalry over the years and both have been champions. Tiger Woods getting back to his best form. I think that will be outstanding. But I think the the side to golf where you can listen to them discussing with their caddy, maybe there might be banter between two. Mm. I think they will play it up to the cameras a bit. Where are they drawing the $9 million from, the prize pool? Because that's a a big amount. Are they putting in their own money for this? Well, no. The contest will coincide with Thanksgiving in the US and will be screened on pay-per-view. So I'm assuming kind of like a boxing bout, Mm. they're assuming that they'll be able to drum up enough finances, probably a lot more than $9 million. Those two will get 
a split of the uh, the prize, if you will, the the financial pool, and the rest will go to promoters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they'll make it up with the. Uh, with the pay-per-view buys. And they'll have a few side bets mm. going on as well, mm. nearest to the pin, longest drive, that sort love of it. stuff. I do love it. That's what we uh, will go and play golf for. We do that with our mates. Mm. Now we get to see the very best in the world go toe-to-toe. I-, I think it's fantastic. We're, we're, we need to remember, sport's meant to be fun. I mean, this is a little bit past its use-by date in the sense that they say in boxing, let it ripen but not rot. And that's what happened with Mayweather and um, Manny Pacquiao. It had, it had clearly rotted it had gone too far past when it was at its absolute peak but this will still be fun we'll still watch it we'll get to enjoy it my favorite thing to do on the golf course is is play with three of my other mates and play um best ball match play yeah two against two and i i just think we need more things like this in sport like if we couldn't have a you know, say we got the best eight basketball players in the world, and they they played a, a little knockout tournament, the best one on one, whatever it is. Let's just have some fun and enjoy sport for what it is. Will there be too much downtime in this game of golf? Clearly, when you normally have a broadcast, you've mm. got so many golfers that you can go and see all their shots. Yeah, There's yeah. going to be a lot of time in between. They're going to have to really play it up, aren't they, to make it worthwhile? And that might not be authentic to them, but I agree with you. I think uh, our boss, Craig Hutchison um, mm. from Croc Media, always talks about sport being entertainment. Taking me a little bit of time to come round to that, but at the end of the day, that's what it's for, and to try new things. If you fail, you fail, but um, as long as the audience is entertained. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I imagine they'll have a plan as to how they'll handle that on the broadcast, because a, a round of golf, as you said, can take four hours, and it's probably what... 10 minutes of action in amongst mm. all of that with the shots that'll be played. But Phil Mickelson is renowned for, for making bets on the course. So say he's in the Masters and he's he's out of the running for the tournament. It's a Sunday afternoon and he's, he's 10 off the lead. He's renowned for saying to his playing partner, all right, you and I match play for the remainder of the day and the winner wins 50 grand. We'll put a car on it because they've got so much money. It's a bit obscene, but... He's won 88 million. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that he does, so... Anyway, I look forward to watching it on uh, November 23 or 24, obviously a day later here in the West. A Regal Eye is next here on Off The Bench. You're listening to Off The Bench. And we're going to get stuck into our Eagle Eye ahead of the West Coast Eagles trip across the Nullarbor all the way up to Brisbane, which we spoke about my favourite pub here in Western Australia, the Albany Hotel. My favourite pub in Australia, I reckon, Hayes is called the Plough Inn on the south bank of Brisbane. If you're in Brisbane, go there and give it a whirl. The steak sandwiches, you overlook the man-made beach. I've spent many uh, uh, an afternoon in there having a, a quiet one and enjoying a steak sanger, which is a favourite of mine. But let's talk Favourite of mine, too. You know mm. I like how to... I like- Favourite of mine, too. You know I like to plough through a few steak sandwiches there. <laughs> you like boy. to. Uh, we're both pretty good on the tooth, aren't we, Hayes? We don't miss out. But uh, let's talk about the West Coast Eagles. Is it a, a danger game heading up there against a Brisbane side with nothing to lose and the West Coast Eagles playing for top two? Absolutely, it's a danger game. They're not in the best of form, the West Coast Eagles, given their injury concerns and the suspension to Andrew Gaff. Look, Jack Darling will play is my mail, but uh, can he get back to the best form? They still have some concerns in their forward line. Josh Kennedy. He's still a couple of weeks away. Can you can you suggest that he'll get back to his best form? You probably can't, can you, given the amount of footy that he's missed? I reckon it's gone past the point of no return in the sense that he needed a couple of games, particularly given there's the bye before the finals next week. At very best now, he's coming back in for a qualifying final, then has to have a week off if they win, then play in a prelim and then a grand final. I, 
I think it's in really dangerous territory for the West Coast Eagles, who are already missing Nick Nat. And I know you're, you're big on the fact that his statistical output can be covered. And Andrew Gaff, though, who has been in tremendous form. So I, I think they needed absolutely everything going right to win the flag. And maybe a little bit too much has already just gone wrong. It'll be one of the great wins if mm. they did go a long way in September. But Brisbane, they're plucky. They've been very good at the Gabba this year. They've been consistent. They haven't been blown off the park too often. They come off the Q clash. That probably works in the West Coast Eagles' favour. We know the build-up to those big derbies and Q clashes can take it out of the opponent the following week. But he's done a good job, and he's got a contract extension as Chris Fagan going forward. And also talk around Adam Simpson getting a contract extension. Still contracted for next year, but talk he may get another two or three years added to that coming up in the next couple of weeks, Ben. One thing that I don't understand, Hayes, is that we have the buy before the finals. The Eagles are likely to finish in the top two, yet they have the longest road trip in footy to Brisbane in the final round and play on the Sunday while Collingwood play in the West on the Saturday. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Every every game here at Optus Stadium has been played when? On a Sunday afternoon. Mm. And it is irrelevant because they've got the bye, but if we're going to have a floating fixture for round 23, why do we have the West Coast Eagles doing the longest road trip in footy? Because of the Collingwood dominance and the power that Eddie Maguire has at that football club with the AFL. Because when this was released, the floating fixture was released, Damien Barrett actually went early with his uh, call on where the games were going to be. And Collingwood were here. They were going to play here on the Sunday. By the time the fixture was released, something had changed and Eddie Maguire and Collingwood had got their way that they were going to be playing here on Saturday, which gives them enough time to get back in Melbourne on the Saturday night. And the West Coast Eagles, who were at that stage and continue to be higher on the ladder, miss out. They have to go on the Sunday trip. Doesn't make any sense to me. Paul Hayes will be a good job taking a look at the West Coast Eagles as they uh, make a run towards September. Can they win the flag? We'll find out over the next five weeks or so. A lot more to come, including a weighted tipping game here on Off the Bench. We'll check in on the leaderboard, see how we're going, and roll on when we come back. Plenty of other sporting news we've got to get to here on Off the Bench. You're listening to Off the Bench. And there's plenty of sport going on here in the West this weekend. The West Coast Fever are in the Super Netball Grand Final at the utterly odd time of 11am on Sunday morning. Champagne breakfast and off to the game. I'll be there, Hayes. I'm sitting courtside where the Fever and Lightning give me high fives. I'm ready to roll. I haven't got my tickets yet, Ben. I got on there a couple of times. I got on there a day early and a day late, and I've missed out. They've sold out. Well done to the West Coast Fever. Won't be a certainty, though. Mm. It's going to be a tough challenge. The Lightning, of course, reigning champions. They've got Caitlin Bassett. They've got a very good goalkeeper that's going to be against Janiel Fowler. Looking forward to it, but what a build-up it's been. It's been fantastic for Western Australian sport, and in, in, in particular, the female sport here in the state. Big build-up. Do they win, in your opinion? I'm nervous. I've been swept up in the bandwagon. So my housemate is actually Stacey Marinkovic's uh, nephew. So uh, Marinkovic is his mum's maiden name and Stacey Rosman, as she was, has married his uncle. So um, we're very much on the bandwagon. We've just sort of, he hasn't even gone to a game all year and he's sort of uh, just going along to watch my auntie coach in the grand final. Really. Is there a party back at your house? You've been saying to that to me for a couple of weeks now. There is, yep. So uh, what we've got, we're not sure whether the girls will be there as yet, but 
We're going to the official after party at the uh, at the Hyde Park Hotel, and then we have uh, a large group of the family members, so a lot of the Marinkoviches and the Rosmans coming back to our house, and we're quietly hoping that we might be able to attract the girls back for the official or unofficial grand final after party should they get the job done, and maybe even if they don't. Good luck with that, Ben. <laughs> Sounds like a great plan. You build it, and they will come. That's what you're hoping for. That's what we're hoping for. We've got a little bit of cornhole in the backyard, so we can play a bit of that, and we've got the barbecue ready to go. So hopefully it'll be good fun. Uh, Let's talk WAFL footy. Now, an announcement on Thursday, that uh, so yesterday, that um, the Waffle Grand Final will be played at Optus Stadium. It breaks 82 years of tradition with the Grand Final being played at Subiaco Oval. How does it sit with you? I think it's fantastic that the Waffle players get an opportunity to showcase their talent on the big stage in front of hopefully a big crowd. Now, we need to get 30,000-plus to make it worthwhile. There'd be nothing worse than 15,000 rocking up to a 60,000-seat stadium and not filling it. There won't be any reserves football played, and that's a bit of a shame. A lot of the clubs aren't happy with that, but I think it's a sign of the times going forward. I'm not sure there's room for reserves football, given the female competition the way that has exploded. I reckon we might have Colts, then we'll have the girls playing, and then obviously the league competition going forward. I think that will attract more people. It makes sense to link arms with the waffle competition and the girls' competition as well. The big concern for me is that that for the, the WAFL is that they could have Subiaco taking on Peel Thunder in the grand final and they are the two lowest drawing fan bases and if that is the case they may well struggle to get to 30,000 fans and that would be a, a disaster for them having brought the game across. The other troubling factor is this game's going to be broadcast on Channel 7. It's going mm. to be a six hour broadcast is my understanding and they will do the Colts game on TV and then they will do the main game so Will that keep people away from attending the game? I think it probably could, particularly those out there in the country. Yeah, I I think it could as well. Uh, Good job, Hayes. We've still got more to come here on uh, Off the Bench WA. Joe Georgiades to talk some country footy with us. We'll chat about the US Open, which gets underway next week, and the weighted tipping game as well as we wrap it up on this Friday Arvo. You're listening to Off the Bench. And it's the world-famous... Paul Hazelby's top five here on Off the Bench, Paul, and what have you got for us today? At number five, I'm going to talk Hang on, about what's the topic? Yeah, the biggest disappointments individually in the AFL. So players that have had poor seasons, the expectation was high on all of these players, they haven't delivered for their club. Well, why are you being such a negative Nelly? Why didn't you go for the top five uh, great performers this year? Well, we're still going to see a few of those <laughs> great performers okay. perform on the big no, stage in the grand finals and finals, but these guys, a lot of them, won't be going to the finals. At number five, I had Jack Watts from mm. the Port Adelaide Football Club. Now, it's not his fault that he got drafted number one for Melbourne, but he's always been given that tag. He got a fresh start at Port Adelaide, and they needed that player to stand up, and he didn't, and Charlie Dixon was the other one that was next mm. to him. And he's my number four, Charlie Dixon, big-name recruit a he's few a years ago. Of year. He has. He was a goal kicker. He had a good preseason. I thought he was about to explode. He's been very disappointing. I know he spent time in the ruck, but for Port Adelaide to go forward, they need more out of him. Mm. They need to find another one because you can't rely on those two players to take your club towards the final series in future years. Yeah, they do. And, uh, yeah, they needed Watts to become like Tom Lynch, really work between the arcs, high up to the wing, and Dixon to be able to stay home and, and just monster defence like he can when he's on and kick a a bag of goals. But it it didn't quite happen for Port Adelaide. Uh, I think they do think that they've got a 
uh, a good young player. Uh, his name escapes me right now. Number 13 for them. Uh, he's from New South Wales. Jeez, uh, it beats me at the moment. Continue with number three. I'll come back to you. Number three, I'm looking locally, and it's his second season at the Fremantle Dockers. Cam McCarthy, I thought, given he had a year off, he was going to improve this year, but he hasn't. I know the ball movement, the delivery hasn't been great at times, but he looks disinterested. He looks a little bit unfit to me, and I think there's certainly question marks about his career and his future at the Fremantle Dockers if he doesn't perform better next year. At number two. Just quickly, uh, Todd Marshall was the player mm. I was thinking of. They think they've got a really good one in Todd Marshall. Yep, I tend to agree with that. At number two, Dan Hanabry from the Sydney Swans. Mm. Now, this is a little bit injury-related, but he was on a big contract. He's getting paid 800000 and for most part of the year, Sydney were just battling, weren't they? It's amazing to think that if they win this week, they could be in the top four after all they've been through this year, but he hasn't delivered. There's question marks on whether he will be there next year. I know St Kilda are offering him good money and an opportunity to get out of that club and start afresh. Do you think he will take up that offer or do you see him staying at the Sydney Swans? All of the the way that the story's trended and you can just sort of follow the arc of these things. It looks like he'll be at St Kilda and just the, the way the story came out and then the way people have commented about it I get the sense that he will, yeah. I tend to agree. I think they need to release some salary cap pressure, the Sydney Swans, and it makes sense because he hasn't had a great season. At number one, though, the worst season, the most disappointing player for me has been Taylor Walker, and it started after the grand final. There was all the debate about his teammate, Jake Lever, who left to go back to Melbourne. They came back a little bit unfit. He's the captain. He, too, didn't have the best preseason. That does affect your performance, but he got back too quickly, couldn't deliver. A lot of comments, a lot of talking from Taylor Walker this year, but his performance as a whole across the season, Ben, pretty disappointing and a key reason why Adelaide aren't playing finals footy. He's had a disappointing year, Taylor Walker. You can't deny that. And uh, I don't think his stoush or some of his stouches with the media have been very good either. I'm going to throw a few others in there. They're Mm. my top five, but Tom Rockcliffe was lucky not to get in there. Paddy Ryder, Brandon Matera from the Dockers. Daniel Venables, I've been disappointed Mm. from the West Coast Eagles. Thought he would deliver this year. He hasn't. Eddie Betts, another one. And Jack Stevens, slightly off for the St Kilda Football Club this year. Fantastic work, Hayes. We check in with Joe Georgiades next ahead of, uh, well, the final. You're listening to Off the Bench. Fantastic to have you with us as we take a look at some of the footy action going on down in the southwest. And we love to speak to this man, Joe Georgiades. But we might have picked a bad round to do it, Joe, because just looking at the fixtures, uh, we've got the top five taking on the bottom five. It doesn't look as though a lot will change. So the round may may be a little bit of a non-event. Yeah, it looks a bit that way. It doesn't even look like there'll be a fight for the wooden spoon. So that's (laughs) been sealed up as well. So... um, but look, I think there'll be a couple of the top five sides. There are a few sort of dicey games there. They'll all be looking to, to get a, a win leading into the finals and get some good form. So, yeah, I think the top five will all certainly be going out for the win this week. I think the the HBL, Augusta, Margaret River game, that's probably a, a 50-50, I reckon. They've got some real quality HBL. Um, so they could knock off Augusta, Margaret River, uh, Bunbury's still looking pretty good down there, but I reckon Collie, um, I think I predicted them to come to, to win the premiership down there this year, so I got that wrong. They've come second last, so but they've got some real quality players, so, so they might get a bit of an upset as well. Well, you get a couple of things wrong from time to time there, Joe, but what about the best players last week? There were some good games. Yeah, South Bunbury's uh, interesting one. I reported a few weeks ago Liam McKenna's moved to Melbourne. Um, I see he's still cropping up in the best, so 
I'm not sure how that's happening. He may be getting flown back. Also, um, if there's one club, if there's one club that can afford it, South Bunbury's um, a very well run club. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Also, he's not he's locked up, um, notched up in the best. Lee Coleman kicked another big bag, and Big Tom Harper's a big bullock in uh, a raging bull. He's he's another good player for South Bunbury. Um, in uh, in Eaton Boomers, they got some good players as well. So. Brendan Page played well. They've got Josh Branchy, who played a bit of uh, league footy at South Fremantle from memory. And the Humphreys boys are, are always dangerous. So they're another side that could um, feature in September. Yeah, I did recruit um, Josh Branchy down to South Fremantle. Showed a lot of promise. Thought he had the opportunity to go to the higher level if he got his body right. But what about the finals coming up? Can you give us a bit of a preview of who you think is going to be the team? Yeah, look, it looks like Donnybrook uh, is probably going to get the week off. Uh, they'll finish top. Uh, the, the, the early games, the knockout games, looks like it's going to be Eton and Augusta Margaret River at this stage. Um, the two teams that I think really could challenge Donnybrook are going to be Bunbury and South Bunbury. They, uh, they haven't probably got it right over the last few years. Bunbury, of course, won it uh, last year. South Bunbury's won a few uh, I think they've probably changed their strategy over the last year or two where they've really focused on local kids. Um, there's a lot of great kids coming up the ranks in Bunbury, so they seem to have got the mix right, and I think they could be the two to challenge um, Donnybrook, but I'm probably not telling you much that no-one down in the southwest knows. So, yeah, look, it's going to be a wide-open final series, and what I've heard all year is anyone in the finals could win it. So let's hope it's a great series. Well, we're looking forward to it all, Joe. Really appreciate you coming on and having a chat to us. And we'll, uh, we'll check in next week as the finals approach. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. And we'll um, have a few more best plays for you. And we'll uh, have a really good preview of the finals coming up. Thanks, Joe. See you, guys. There is Joe Georgiades uh, bringing us right up to date with all of the local footy going on down in the southwest. It's an exciting time. You can start to smell spring in the air haze. The grass just looks a little crisper, and you get ready for all of the finals footy. We absolutely love it here on Off the Bench. The weighted tipping game is coming up next as we wrap it up. You're listening to Off the Bench. And we're almost done on this Friday afternoon, but not before we do the weighted tipping game. Just repeating, for those of you who might not know how it works, Five, four, three, two, one. You assign the value to your level of certainty that a team would win. Now, last week, Hags, we both went the same teams, but all in different order, and we got them all right. So we scored a maximum 15 points each, which means we're level on 42 through the weeks that we've been playing this game as we head into the final round mm. of the weighted tipping game. So Tough too. It's not easy this week. No, and it's a bit of a questionable round in the sense that teams might be, or teams have nothing to play for tanking. In, in essence. You're choosing them of tanking. No, no, just not overly focused on it. Just thinking about what they're wearing to Mad Monday, what they're going to do after the game, where they're going to go for a beer, and maybe not totally focused on the job at hand. So... You can start us off with your five. Number five, I've got Geelong taking on the Gold Coast Suns. Should get that by 100 points. We saw them win down there against the Dockers last week. The Suns, I think they're looking forward to Mad Monday after a very disappointing season. Yep, on the glitter strip, they'll be enjoying Mad Monday, but not after a win. I'm giving my five to Geelong as well. My four, I'm giving to Richmond to beat the Western Bulldogs. Yes, I'm going for Richmond as well. They get the key players back. The Bulldogs have been impressive, but I think Richmond marching into the finals, hard to beat. 
And then my three, I've gone for Collingwood. Where are you looking? I've gone for Collingwood mm. as well. So great minds think alike. Not certain on this one. I mm. think the Dockers will give a yelp, but I just don't think they have the talent and the system to beat a top four side. Okay, where are you going with your two, Hayes? I'm going for the West Coast Eagles. I'm going to back them in. They take on Brisbane. Brisbane will be very plucky for a long time, but I think the Eagles, too much to play for, get it done. That's where I'm going as well with my two. And then my one, I've gone for Adelaide. Ooh. Where have you gone? Adelaide against Carlton. Mm, Where have you gone? I didn't look at them. I was going to go for Melbourne. No, you can't change. I'll have to stake because if I go for Adelaide, we're the same. We Mm. won't get a result, will we? We might not get a result. I'm going to go for Melbourne. I liked them last week. They take on the Giants. few injury concerns for the Giants. I know Josh Kelly comes back, but they don't play too well at the MCG. I'm going to back in my knowledge of footy and pick the Demons. You've just lost the game with a bad decision on your one pick. Well, time will tell. Oh, we will find out, Paul Hayes. We'll be, uh, what's on for the remainder of this Friday afternoon for you? Well, my wife's gone to Bali, so I've got Ooh. the kids for the next five days. So I've got my dad coming down to help out with the babysitting <laughs> across that period because obviously I've got the footy tomorrow, Collingwood at Fremantle, and still trying to find some tickets. Anybody out there that's got some free tickets or any tickets, happy to pay for them to go to the West Coast Fever because I've missed out. I logged on the day early, couldn't get the tickets, logged on a day late, and they were sold out. Half my luck. Old T-Rex Hayes will be his arms don't quite reach his pocket, so he's just looking for a couple of uh, a couple of freebies to get along. No, I'm to happy West to Coast pay. Fever. I'm actually happy to pay. Ben, can I have yours? Uh, no, I paid far too much for mine. I got swept up in the emotion and uh, thought I wanted to sit really close to the action. Can I come to the after party? Yeah, of course. Back at your house? We'll get on the, the table, fever? tennis table, and go at it. I know that you think... You were the best table tennis player at the Fremantle Dockers. I don't think it. It's statistically factual. You won the tournament. Won all the tournaments. Okay. Luke McFarlane, number two. Well, we'll go at it on the table tennis table on Sunday afternoon. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for your company here on Off the Bench. Paul Hazelby and myself, Ben Cameron. All things going to plan. We'll be back next Friday, Arvo. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.